Good morning, everyone. Hope you're doing well today. It is Tuesday morning, March the 16th, and it's a beautiful day outside here in North Texas. It's warm, well, probably breezy. I don't know. I actually haven't been outside yet today, but it looks nice from where I'm sitting. Let's say that. It looks nice from where I'm sitting. So today we are studying Romans chapter 9 and uh, have a lot of good stuff to talk about. So I'm glad you're here. Thank you for joining me and hope uh, hope you're having a great day. Sorry we started just a tad late. We had a fun little morning in which I was preparing as I normally do and my foot underneath my uh, desk, actually uh, my big toe, hit the switch on the surge protector and turned everything off. And I was just about done and I hadn't saved anything. And of course, for whatever reason, my computer just didn't bring it back up. So I had to start over. So uh, starting just a couple minutes late, but uh, thank you for your patience and for your understanding. Let's jump into Romans 9. We'll start with verses 3 through 5. For I wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my own people, my kindred according to the flesh. They are Israelites, and to them being the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship and the promises, to them belong the patriarchs, and from them, according to the flesh, comes the Messiah, who is over all, God blessed forever. Amen. So so Paul does not, Paul is spent now, eight chapters, talking about the power of faith and, and Christianity, but he's not denying any kind of special relationship that the Jewish people had with God. They were God's chosen people. They, were, they had the promises of God. They had the promises were given to Noah and Abraham and Moses, and the Messiah came through them. So the, the people of Israel are not uh, cut off from God. They still have a special relationship with God. Paul is not saying that they don't. Paul has been now building on an argument that the Jewish understanding of the way to relationship with God is not true. Uh, it, uh, relationship with God is based on faith in Jesus Christ and what God has done. That is how we are made righteous, not according to the laws of the Jewish faith. Uh, but that doesn't mean the Jewish people aren't important to God. They are God's chosen people. They are God's family. They have uh, access to God in ways that other peoples don't. I mean, they had the temple where you could go and worship God. They had uh, the Messiah came through the Jewish people. They had all the promises. They had all the traditions, right? They had all the traditions and the laws and all this stuff. The law was given to the people of Israel. That was a bit, that's a big deal. You know, God, God shared his mind with the people of Israel, his desires with the people of Israel. So it, we're not saying, Paul is not saying that the Jewish people do not have an important place uh, an important special relationship with God. They do. They are God's chosen people. Paul is not denying that. Uh, so it's important that he says this. Uh, but as we think about how important is tradition when it comes to our relationship with God, you know, well, what place does tradition, because the, the people, the Jewish people, you know, they relied on their traditions, on the, the, the things of the past. And because of the things of the past, we know that we have this special relationship with God. But Paul is saying, uh, you can have more than just your tradition. You can have more than just the things of the past. Paul is doing and saying anything he can so that people who do not know Jesus, people who do not understand why Jesus came, what Jesus came to do, uh, would believe, would, would investigate. Tell me more. I want to know more about Jesus. 
what do you mean I can have more than just tradition? And so that's kind of the case that Paul is making here. So uh, we're going to jump forward to verses 11 through 13, 11 through 13, and have an interesting conversation here. Uh, Even before they had been born or had done anything good or bad, so that God's purpose of election might continue, not by works, but by his call, she was told, that is Rebecca, the elder shall serve the younger. As it is written, I have loved Jacob, but I have hated Esau. So, uh, so Paul is making this point through the Jewish tradition, through the Jewish, through uh, Jacob and Esau, right? Uh, the children of Isaac, who Isaac, who is the son of Abraham, and 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 Paul is making the point here that uh, God decides, God decides. Uh, who he is going to call. God decides who he is going to love. God decides who he is going to bless. Uh, and so, uh, Paul, here, the point, the point he's making is your relationship with God, your righteousness has nothing to do with your heritage. It has nothing to do with your Jewishness, you could say, your descendants, your whatever, however you want to say it, uh, but because your righteousness has to do with the fact that God has chosen you, that you are part of, as it says here, God's purpose of election, that God has chosen you. You are loved. You are chosen. You are part of God's family. You have this special relationship, not because of works, but because God has chosen you. God has, uh, before they were born, before they were born or had done anything good or bad, God decided to love Jacob and not Esau. That's what it says. I have loved Jacob, but I have hated Esau. Now that should make us all go, wait a minute, wait a minute. That doesn't sound right. Why would God choose to hate somebody? Why would God choose before they were born? So let's talk about predestination for a moment. Shall we? Predestination, the understanding that all events have been willed by God. And so the reason that everything happens is because God has willed it, because it is part of God's plan, because God has said that is what's going to happen. And then uh, if you look at double predestination, double predestination is this understanding that, that God has predetermined who is going to be saved and who is not going to be saved. Who is going to heaven and who is not going to heaven? So John Calvin, uh, one of the, the leaders of the Protestant Reformation, uh, said, By predestination, we mean the eternal decree of God by which he determined with himself whatever he wished to happen with regard to every man. All are not created on equal terms, but some are preordained to eternal life, others to eternal damnation. And accordingly, as each has been created for one or other of these ends, we say that he has been, been, he has been predestined to life or to death. So the understanding of double predestination is that before you were born, God had already decided if when you die, you're going to heaven or you're going to eternal damnation. That's kind of what Paul is saying here, right? That though we're talking about the elect, um, but Verse 11, even before they had been born or had done anything good or bad, Rebecca was told the, the, the elder shall serve the younger. Uh, we're talking about this blessing of God, right? This blessing of God. 
this blessing of God. And so we ask, is do we believe in predestined? Do you do you believe that your place in eternity was decided before you were born? Before you were born. Uh, I answer that question with yes. Um, I believe my place in eternity was decided before I was born uh, to go to heaven. I'm uncomfortable saying that somebody before they were born, it was predetermined that they're going to be damned, right? For et- for all of eternity. That's something I have, I struggle to say with. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine who's Presbyterian and his answer was uh, that God has predetermined, the Presbyterians, this is part of their theology, that God has predetermined that whoever is born is going to be loved. And if you choose, uh, if you choose to reject that love, if you, uh, if you prefer to live a life apart from God, uh, uh, God's plan for everybody is, is salvation. However, if you want damnation, you can have it. If you want damnation, you can have it. So that's where I land on it, but it's a very interesting theologically, uh, a lot of theological differences and a lot of different ideas. I uh, would love to hear what you think in the comments. For those of you who are joining me live this morning, I uh, would love to hear what you think about all that stuff. So uh, talk to me. Let me let, let me hear what you're thinking about predestination, elect. Uh, does God choose to uh, damn people before they're born? Uh, what do you all think on that? Okay, verses 14 through 18. Is God fair? Is God fair? What do we think? Verse 14. What then are we to say? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who shows mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, uh, for the scripture says to Pharaoh, I have raised you up for the very purpose of showing my power in you so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. So then he has mercy on whomever he chooses and he chooses and he hardens the heart of whomever he chooses. So is God fair? Uh, this, this, this example of Pharaoh, right? We know the story of the Exodus. Moses comes to take the people, the Jewish the Israelites to the promised land. And Pharaoh says no. And so through the plagues and through all the things, Pharaoh continues to say no. Well, this is here that God hardened the heart of Pharaoh so that God's power could be proclaimed, God's power could be displayed, and then throughout the whole world, people will hear of this. And it's, I mean, throughout the whole world, people have heard of this, right? Uh, and so, so Pharaoh didn't really have a choice, right? God hardened his heart. God said, I am going to make it so that you cannot understand what's going on so that you cannot do what I would have you do. Uh, I'm going to harden your heart so that you make it. Uh, and so, so we say, is, is God fair? Was, was that fair to Pharaoh? Was that fair to Pharaoh? Uh, and Paul says, well, you know what? Good question, but God's going to do what God wants to do, right? God's going to do what God wants to do. So the foundation of this argument is justice, right? That that good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people and that, you know, uh, but we can't understand our relationship with God in terms of justice. If we got what we deserved, none of us would be going to heaven. None of us would be saved. Uh, so we can't claim that God owes us anything. We can't claim that God owes anybody anything. 
we can't claim that God owes Pharaoh something or that God owes me something because I'm such a good person. Everything that God gives us has to be understood through mercy and grace. So mercy and grace say you are undeserving, but you get it anyway. So when we say, when we look through the lens of mercy and grace, we see a God who is not fair. We see a God who is not fair. We see a God who is, quite frankly, unfair, but still gives us stuff we don't deserve. That is the unfair side of this, is that you get stuff you don't deserve. And so we say, thank God that God is unfair. Thank God that God gives me stuff I don't deserve, that God has given me stuff and will continue to give me stuff that I will not earn. Thank God that I am loved when I don't deserve it. And so is God fair? No, God's better than fair. God's better than fair uh, because fairness has to do with what? The law, right? Fairness says you did this, so you have to serve punishment for it or all that stuff, right? That's, That's justice. That's fairness. And says, no, God's going to do what God wants to do. There's nothing you can say or do about it. Getting to the next verse, verses 19 through 21. You will say to me then, why then does he still find fault? For who can resist his will? But who indeed are you, a human being, to argue with God? Well, what does molded say to one who molds it? Why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay? to make out of the same lump one object for special use and another for ordinary use. So Paul, so Paul is expecting an, an argument back saying, well, wait a second. And so um, basically here's the argument. Here's the, is that if we, if we make mistakes, then it's not our fault, right? So if God chooses who God wants, and if God chooses uh, our actions as we serve God, then it's nobody's fault that Jesus was rejected in the same way that it wasn't Pharaoh's fault. It wasn't Pharaoh's fault for what happened in the Exodus. God hardened his heart, right? That's what it says. So God must have hardened the heart of the Jewish people, the Jewish leaders at the time of Jesus. So it wasn't their fault that they rejected Jesus. That, this is the logical argument that Paul's making, right? So this is what I'm going to say about Pharaoh. Now you're going to take it to the next step and say, well, then the, the, the Jewish people who, who uh, rejected Jesus, they had hardened heart and you know, it's not their fault in the same way that it wasn't Pharaoh's fault based on what you just said in verse 18. Paul's answer, don't argue with God. Who are you to argue with God? I mean, basically, I just made a theological point. You come back at me with a theological argument, and my answer is, don't argue with God. (laughs) How great is that? How great is that? I mean, it's like, um, next time you're in an argument and, like, somebody makes a point and you've got nothing to come back with, say, don't argue with God. (laughs) Don't argue with God. Because, I mean, but that's what he says. He's like, who are you? you know, the, the clay to argue with the potter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, I mean, it's, it's, to me, it's, it's, it's an interesting way to, to come back. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think it's something we need to hear. Don't argue with God. And so there's times, there's times where we read scripture, we hear Jesus say something and we think, man, I don't really like that. I don't, I don't really like what Jesus had to say. Don't argue with God. I mean, don't argue with God. Plain and simple. There you go. Okay. Verses 22 through 25. I think this is one really long sentence. Two. Two sentences. 
What if God, desiring to show his wrath, had to make known his power, has endured with much patience the objects of wrath that are made for destruction? And what if he has done so in order to make known the riches of his glory for the objects of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory, including us whom he has called, not from the Jews only, but from the Gentiles? As indeed he has says in Hosea, those who were not my people, I will call my people, and though and her who was not my beloved, I will call my beloved. So basically, this is what Paul's saying. The rejection of Jesus happened so that the Gentiles could be included. The rejection of Jesus happened so that the Gentiles could be included. Okay. Paul's saying that there was an evil situation and God brought good out of it. And that good was that the Gentiles could be included. Uh, we believe God can bring good out of evil, right? That bad things can happen and we can see God do good things and bad things, right? Okay. But do we believe that God creates bad things so that God can do good things, right? So basically, the, God created the situation with Pharaoh by hardening his heart and saying, I am going, through your hardened heart, I am going to display my power to all of humanity, right? By the things that I'm going to do. Did God then create the situation with the rejection of Jesus so that something good could come out of that? And the good thing being that the Gentiles are included. I, I mean, it's a fascinating question. It's a fascinating question. Um, does God create bad situations so that God can do something good? I don't know. Jesus, Jesus met a blind man and they said, why was he born blind? Who sinned, him or his parents? He says, nobody sinned. This man was born blind so that the power of God could be revealed to you today. And Jesus heals him and gives him vision. You know, is that a bad situation that was created so that God could do something good? I, you know, that's, it's one of the things we have to think through, right? It's some of the, so in our lives, when something bad happens, do we think, okay, not saying God created this, but let's see where God is going to do something good out of it. Has God done good things out of COVID? Absolutely. Absolutely. Did God create COVID? I would say no. My faith tells me to say no. Uh, but it's still an interesting question. It's an interesting question. And um, Paul is making all kinds of arguments in the book of Romans because it's a theological book and a theological letter. And so that leads to more questions and more things to consider. Uh, so verses 30 through 33, the end of the chapter. Uh, what then are we to say? Gentiles who do not strive for righteousness have attained it. That is righteousness through faith. But Israel, who did strive for the righteousness that is based on the law, did not succeed in fulfilling that law. Why not? Because they did not strive for it on the basis of faith, but as if it were based on works. They have stumbled over the stumbling stone. As it is written, see, I am laying in Zion a stone that will make people stumble, a rock that will make them fall, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Okay, so two ways of understanding God. There's the, the Jewish way, with Paul writing, uh, piling up enough brownie points to earn salvation, doing enough right things to earn salvation, and the Gentile way, trusting in the love of God that we know through Jesus Christ, by faith, by faith being made righteous instead of by works. Paul is saying that the Gentile way is the right way, which 
if you read the beginning of this chapter, the Jewish people who are God's chosen, who have been, who have this tradition of the law and doing the right thing, and we're, you know, for the, if they were to read this, they'd be like, well, uh, what do you mean? What do you mean? Well, you said we have a special relationship with God because of who we are, right? Because of our tradition, because of the things that we do. Uh, but I think what Paul's saying to them is that, yes, you do have a special relationship with God based on all of this. Now complete it by believing, by believing that God is a God of grace, by believing that God is a God of love, that through faith you are made righteous, not the other stuff. If you want to keep doing the other stuff, that's great. It's part of your personal discipline of faith, but complete it by believing. So then the question is, is there a third way to understand God? We have two ways, right? The way of law and the way of gospel. Is there a third way? I don't know. We'd love to hear what you think. Okay, we are going to stop there. Good study today. I mean, this stuff is incredibly fascinating to me. It leads to a lot of different conversations and and questions, but uh, I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. Okay, let's close with a word of prayer. Uh, Good and gracious God, we thank you for the many blessings which you have given us. We thank you for uh, the faith which you have given us, for the righteousness that comes with that faith for the hope of salvation, for the forgiveness of sins, uh, and for all the good things that uh, you help us with through life, for the strength you give us, for the comfort you give us, and for all you do for us. We pray for those who aren't feeling well today, those who are battling illness, those who are uh, working to help others feel better. Uh, We just pray for our country and for our world. We pray that uh, your peace uh, would be uh, lasting and that it would uh, overflow so that all would know it, uh, and that we would live together uh, in a world that is a better reflection of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, everybody, have a wonderful day. Take good care of yourselves. Worship tomorrow night at Abiding Grace. We'll be live streamed here at 7, but you can come out and join us at the pavilion. It's supposed to be a beautiful night, and we will have prepackaged dinner beforehand at 6.15. So have a great day. Talk to you all soon.